Welcome to the 28th episode of the Cranky Flyer interview, sponsored by Ontario International Airport. On this episode, I'm talking to Joe Sprague, president of Horizon Air. Does that name ring a bell? It should. You might remember Joe from my Alaska Airlines milk run adventure several years ago. Joe left the airline but came back in late 2019 to run Horizon Air, just in time for the wheels to fall off the regional industry. But before we get into the interview, I want to again thank our presenting sponsor, Ontario International Airport. ONT is excited about the strong recovery they've had in 2021, reaching 97% of pre-pandemic levels, and are looking forward to growing further this year. That's no surprise, since for the past four years, ONT has been America's fastest-growing airport as recognized by Global Traveler. Throughout the pandemic, ONT has been a leader in keeping passengers safe. It even earned the coveted Airport Health Accreditation by the Airports Council International. That dedication to safety has made ONT a model of resiliency and allowed them to keep a greater share of passenger volumes throughout the pandemic than all but two other airports. Whether it's easy parking, quick movement through their terminals, or access to great amenities, ONT makes SoCal feel so easy. Visit flyonto.com, that's flyonto.com for more information. All right, so Joe Sprague, uh, running Horizon Air has been super easy over the last couple of years, I'm sure. <laughs> Can you – I don't even know how to start a conversation about what it's like to actually run a regional airline these days because the the whiplash of the operational struggles, the, the pilot pay, the shifting fleets, everything else. I mean, it, it must be just an exhausting adventure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me. Um, it's it it's sort of a labor of love. I've I've always been a regional airline geek. I mean, an airline geek, but but a regional airline geek. And uh, so the first thing I would just say is, is, as crazy as it has been the last couple of years, it really is a deep privilege to to have this role at Horizon Air and just to get to work with the great people at Horizon in Alaska. So um, I get. Yeah, it, it can be a little stressful, but I am I am grateful for um, the opportunity. Um, the craziness, though, has, has definitely been pronounced. The one thing I, I've said a lot over the last couple of years is we, we've done pretty well, but we've done all that we've done really without a playbook, because just about everything that has come at us over the last three years has been unprecedented in one form or another, uh, historic. Uh, I mean, all those kinds of adjectives tend to apply to the the regional airline business the last three years. And so um, credit to the team at Horizon Air because they've done a good job operating without a playbook. Yeah, that's that's true. So now let, let's maybe back up a second here. So, you know, I think uh, readers of the blog and, and listeners will remember you uh, more on the mainline side when we did our Milk Run adventure yep. uh, several years ago, which was amazing. Uh, but then you left and then you came back uh, to run Horizon Air. And when did you start? What was the day that you started uh, at Horizon? Came back uh, November, let's see, I look at my ID here, November uh, 7th of 2019. So almost okay. three years ago. So when you came back, this is all pre-pandemic. This is an airline that is still a a mix of Q400s, uh, growing Embraer 175 fleet as well. Uh, but no plans to retire the 
Q400s in the near future at that point. Was it, it fairly stable at that point? Or, you know, what were you coming into to, to say, all right, we need to address this? Yeah, it's an interesting question because it was a, a point in time in the fall of 2019 when it was generally stable, but it, it Horizon had been coming off of a period of instability. Uh, 2016 and 17 in particular were tough years for Horizon. Uh, that was some early years of the pilot shortage and honestly some years where Horizon uh, could have managed uh, the staffing situation for pilots better than it did. And so there were some pretty rough years um, uh, and some rough months in particular in 2017 when uh, Horizon just got behind the power curve on pilot hiring. And as a result, there was a, a lot of operational disruption that year, 2017. Um, other folks sort of came in and helped to get uh, Horizon to a much more stable place so that by the time I joined it in 2019, it was in a pretty good place. But those... Um, the scars were still fresh from 2017, and uh, there was a lot of almost post-traumatic stress syndrome throughout the entire Horizon organization in 2019 uh, from having gone through that period. And then the other big thing that had happened also in that time was Horizon uh, started adding the E-175. Uh, in 2017, it, it operated its first E-175, and by the fall of, of 2019, we were up to 30 E-175. So in addition to some of those uh, pilot staffing challenges even back then the other big thing was adding a whole new fleet type uh, to horizon so it had been sort of a crazy couple of years when i joined and you you sensed that when you were uh, around horizon um but it was stable at the moment and we enjoyed three or four whole months of stability before the pandemic hit <laughs> so w when you came in then were you thinking this was more of a a people job this was about trying to bring a calm and and you know just get everyone to to be back on the same page and happier and all that was that the idea when you came in yeah that that's a fair description um and i knew that i had a lot to learn and so uh, I, yeah i i thought hey i'm coming in at a time when it's it is more stable they've got had gotten through the crises of the you know previous couple of years and and i thought i'll have a little bit of time here to sort of get my feet under me and figure out you know how to how to function in this particular role and um so yeah that that's that's sort of what the expectation was which got blown out of the water of course well you got all that done in three months and then you're fine so <laughs> so then the pandemic hits this is crisis mode, of course, uh, for, you know, any airline, but, you know, specifically, how, how did you have to deal with this from a horizon perspective, uh, being that, you know, you're the regional airline mainline, I guess, is, is calling the shots on, you know, what you're flying and how empty everything is and, and all this. So what is, what was your role specifically as the pandemic unfolded in March and April? Yeah. I mean, those were, you know, chaotic, uh, days um, with just filled with like levels of uncertainty that none of us had ever seen before, even after 9-11. And so um, the the biggest uncertainty was, you know, were we even going to be as an industry, were we going to be able to stay in business because the, the passenger fall off was so pronounced. And at that point, there was just not a clear sense of how long the pandemic might go in that form. And so uh, the the big effort was really about, you know, Number one, getting airplanes parked, 
getting the operation dialed way back, which is a lot more difficult than it might sound, uh, and then keeping employees informed, really doing a lot of communication with employees so that as much as we did know, we could convey that and share that with employees because, you know, the, the level of uncertainty was huge, but uh, having too much of that with employees was, you know, that didn't make things any easier for them, which were scared about things in their own personal lives as well as on the, the work front. Then the next big piece was because we were, were seeing such a dramatic fall off in revenue, we had to examine how we could reduce our costs as quickly as possible. This is even while the CARES Act and, you know, payroll support programs and so forth were playing out in Congress. But even that there was uncertainty about until they were finally enacted. And so, um, you know, doing everything we could to rein in uh, expenses as quickly as we could. Those were the those were the big tasks in those first two or three months. So just nothing big. So you were just kicking back, relaxing. It's all <laughs> yeah. it's pretty. Yeah. It was wild but, times. Uh, yeah, no kidding. But you mentioned it's a lot harder to reduce the operation than it than it sounds. Like, what do you mean by that specifically? Um, what was so challenging about that? Well, again, a lot of uncertainty. So that it was clear that we had to get you know airplanes parked, but we weren't sure for how long. So there was lots of questions, you know, should we put air, airplanes in long-term storage, which, as you know, requires a little more of a formal maintenance program to make sure you button them up good and, and essentially put them in preservation mode uh, versus keeping some airplanes on sort of warm standby so that we could restart the operation more quickly if we needed to. So a lot of debates around that front. Uh, the, the people factor was huge. I mean, we didn't we did not want to lay off anybody or furlough anybody if we could possibly avoid it. But that meant offering a lot of leaves of absence and and, uh, you know, sort of the voluntary type separations that required a ton of coordination from our HR teams. So just a lot of moving parts as we tried to slow down the operation. Sure. OK. And then you get the airplanes parked. I don't, did you put a lot of them into long-term storage, or how'd you? What'd you decide to do on that? So Alaska Mainline did put, uh, like it, like every major airline, they put a lot of, of airplanes into longer-term storage. We did not. We ended up only putting, I don't remember exactly, maybe ten or twelve at most into some version of longer-term storage. And and the reason was, uh, and this this sort of paved the way for what much of the, the next year looked like through even summer of 2021. And that was that even while the demand was still quite low, there was a desire by Alaska uh, and all other major airlines had a similar desire to maintain some semblance of service in as many markets as possible, uh, even if it meant reduced service, reduced frequency, or using regional aircraft to offer sort of, you know, what was plenty of capacity with a 76-seat airplane, even when in what had traditionally been mainline markets. So um, so there was obviously a dr drastic fall off in demand, but that sort of uh, way to keep a, a toehold in a number of markets was to use regional. So we reduced frequency across the board. We did not pull out of any markets, but we did find Horizon. We found ourselves flying E-175s like Seattle to LAX. I mean, that was, you know, would never have been a regional market before, but suddenly in that environment, it made sense for it to be on a, on a 76 seat airplane. And of course, the E-175 is beautiful in that regard because it can do so many different kinds of missions, you know, within a thousand miles or less. So or it can go even further than that, obviously, but it works just great in, in those kinds of markets. So anyway, bottom line was we um, we ended up flying a fair bit, even summer of, of 2020, even while mainline was was significantly reduced. 
And by the fall and into the, the winter of 2020 into 2021, we had our whole fleet flying again. And uh, we actually stayed fairly busy from that point on. All right. So you're busy. And then at what point does the realities of the pilot shortage start to hit you um, as we've seen, you know, hit everyone, especially in the regional world? I think, Brett, we started to have some inkling of it in uh, in the spring of 2021. You know, the vaccinations had gotten out there by that point. They were really starting to get uh, be pretty far reaching. Uh, and the, the what had been a full year of the pandemic at that point uh, meant that people were they were anxious to get out once they got vaccinated and get back to traveling and if nothing else, go on vacation somewhere. And so um, there was a pretty, pretty significant uptick in demand that started there in, in late spring of 2021. And that that rise in demand was sort of coupled with the realization that over the previous 12 months, the major airlines and and in particular, the big three had allowed a lot of pilots to take early retirement during the sort of the depths of the pandemic, thousands of them. And it, it became a bit of an equation where, okay, one plus one is going to equal two here because we've got resurgent demand in a pretty significant form, but we now have thousands fewer pilots uh, than we had before the pandemic started. And if the major airlines were going to get back even to their their pre-pandemic sizes, they were, it, you know, it became clear they were going to have to start doing a lot of hiring. And uh, as we went into the summer of 2021, there was, you know, the, the major airlines were starting to talk more about it. Some of them were starting to uh, start back up their hiring process. So we had, I would say, by June of, of 2021, a pretty clear sense from a lot of different information sources that um, a pretty big wave of pilot hiring was going to commence at the major airlines that fall, and that was going to cause a, a pretty significant amount of attrition at the regional airlines at the same time. And of course, uh, starting a little over a year ago, September of, of 2021, that's exactly what happened. And we've been under this um, sort of uh, tsunami ever since. Did most of the pilots that were at Horizon, did, did most of them go up to Alaska or was it just everywhere? Just it was everywhere. Uh, okay. Certainly at the, at the, the, the biggest percentage of, uh, of, of the major airlines, you know, where the Horizon pilot uh, folks that did leave us, where they went to, the biggest percentage went to Alaska Mainline. And, um, and you know, we have a, a formal pathways program uh, so that it, it literally paves the way for Horizon pilots that want to fly for a major, major airline to shift over to Alaska. And we hate to see our pilots leave. We understand the realities of the situation, though, and if they are going to leave, we, we hope they will stay with Alaska Air Group and go fly for Alaska Airlines, and a lot of them have. A lot of them did. Uh, but the, the amount of hiring happening at, at Delta and United in particular and all the other major airlines, it just, you know, as I said, it's 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 never been a better time to be an airline pilot. And, and part of the reason why is that the demand for uh, major airline pilots is so high that regional pilots never before had had literally their, their choice of which major airline to go fly for. Uh, and so, you know, some of them took that opportunity because they wanted to fly wide bodies or, you know, they wanted to fly international. They wanted to have a, you know, a base in the Midwest or the East Coast. And so that's been a, a factor in a lot of different uh, decisions that have been made. So here you are in September, your pilots are fleeing. <laughs> Where, what do you do? you're running this airline. I mean, you're probably looking at it thinking we have to do something or we're going to be half our size or smaller or who knows. Um, you know, what, what can you put into place to, to prevent this? 
well, or to keep you flying, I guess. So, yep. It's some of it, like we learned reality in a hurry. That was, that was an important piece of it. Um, and, uh, we have some pretty sharp planning folks at Horizon Planning and Finance that uh, know the regional industry really well, and they were looking um, they were looking at this situation, as I say, in the spring and into the early summer of 2021, and they they did the math on it. We have some pretty good staffing models, and we said we just realized uh, early in the summer of, of last year that w- we were not going to be able to fly our full schedule, that if Delta, American United, all our st- Southwest, Alaska, all started hiring at the level that they were indicating at that point, that um, just sort of doing the numbers across the industry, we could peg how many pilots we were projected to lose. And we started to build out some pretty detailed forecasts of what our attrition was gonna look like in the fall, and then correlated that with what our staffing capability would be. And we realized that pretty quickly by September, October of last fall, we were going to have to be down 15 to 20 to 25 percent. So we went to Alaska's network planning people about that same time and, and shared that with them. And they looked at us like we were crazy uh, because that must have been a fun conversation. <laughs> it was not a fun conversation. It was um, but it was an important one because. As I mentioned earlier, the the scars from Horizon's pilot staffing challenges in 2017 were still fresh. Nobody wanted to get back into that doom loop of of close-in cancellations because of not having enough pilots. And so, you know, we 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 did our models, we checked them, we had other people from Alaska's finance group sort of look over our shoulder, make sure all the numbers were plugged in correctly. And then we went to network planning and said, here's the reality. We're going to lose a lot of pilots. We're not going to be able to fly our full schedule. We need to pull the schedule down now. And they looked at us like we had two heads, uh, but they also trusted us, trusted the numbers, trusted the process. So we did take the flying down well in advance. And sure enough, by September, October, the attrition was materializing just like we expected. It was also materializing that way for every other regional airline, some of whom had not taken down their schedules in advance the way we had. And they did have disruptions uh, last fall and into the winter before everyone sort of got on top of things. So I think it was not an easy conversation. It was a hard decision, but in the end, it was the right decision. So that helped us avoid on the horizon side, um, operational disruption for the last 12 months. And that's been a better place then for us to then go figure out, okay, we're not having to deal with the craziness of a bunch of close-in cancels. So let's instead be focusing on our pilot pipeline. How are we sourcing new pilots to come into Horizon? And we can talk about that, Brett. Uh, and then uh, what are we doing about retention for the pilots that we have? And so a lot of those efforts have been uh, our point of focus for the last 12 months. And then the, the third big area that emerged was our fleet. And you know, the, we'll talk about the Q400, but, the, you know, that airplane had a, a role to play in attraction to Horizon. A lot of newer pilots, they just, we knew they wanted to fly regional jets coming into a regional. So while we had a, a, a few dedicated folks that really did want to fly a turboprop, um, it, having a, a, a fleet that was 50% turboprop probably had more of a downside to our attraction of new pilots than an upside. And so um, we said, look, we only have 62 airplanes. They're 50-50 split between two very different aircraft types. So it's not efficient. We don't have any economies of scale uh, and it's having an impact on our ability to attract pilots. 
And so, um, you know, starting last fall and into the winter, we also started to assess, was this the right time to do a fleet transition and get to a single fleet of E-175s? And, you know, fast forward, uh, the Alaska Air Group Board participated in that decision, of course, and, and in uh, the first part of this year, we made that decision, announced it in March, and uh, we're on our way to a, a much more stable future because of getting to a single fleet. All right, there's a lot in here. So let's start with the the pilot uh, pipeline and how you just needed to get more in the door. I mean, I, I assume at the time it wasn't, well, we have to reduce our, our flying 15%. We're okay with that. I, I assume the idea was we need to get back to where we were, right? I mean, we need more pilots. For sure. Uh, nobody's ever been okay with taking the flying down. Um, you know, we, we got affectionately labeled by uh, Ben Minicucci, our CEO as the, at Air Group, as the, the canary in the coal mine because we did sort of get out ahead of the, the, uh, the pilot attrition situation. But that's not where we wanted to stay and still don't. Um, I mean, the entire regional industry is down by a third right now from 2019 levels. And I don't know when it'll get back to sort of pre-pandemic levels across the entire industry. But we want to get this thing stable and be able to grow as soon as we can. And so for that, we need pilots. And uh, so the the good news is, is the 2017 challenges that we, that we had had forced us even then to start to build up a, a pipeline of, of pilots to come into Horizon. And uh, so we were already partnering with um, over a dozen different schools as part of our pilot development program. These are colleges and universities that have aviation programs, as well as uh, specific dedicated flight schools here in the West. So those partnerships were already in place, which was a good thing. They went into sort of a dormant phase during the pandemic. But last summer, as soon as it was clear we were going to have to do a lot of hiring, we re-energized all of those relationships. And uh, so that has been, a, and we not only entered, one way we energized them was by increasing the amount, the dollar figure of the stipend that we provide to students that are in those programs that are part of our pilot development program. So we pay a, a healthy chunk of their flight training in exchange for them making a two-year commitment to fly to Horizon, fly at Horizon once they have their required number of hours and all of their certificates. So that was um, that was something that was sort of already in place and we were able to really reactivate it and bring it some uh, some new life. And that's been an important source. But we also said, Okay, these pilot development programs are great, but you know whether it's you know Embry Riddle or places like that, or even some of the smaller colleges and universities here in the West that have aviation programs. All the other regional airlines are seeking to partner with a lot of those same schools, and so there was a sense that we might need uh, just in addition to those a little more dedicated. Uh, source of pilots. And so on that basis, um, we spent several months uh, working on and creating the Ascend Pilot Ac Academy, which uh, we launched in, I have to double check the dates, but we launched it here over the past six months or so uh, in partnership with the Hillsboro Aero Academy at the Hillsboro Airport uh, outside of Portland, Oregon. Longstanding, really top-notch uh, professional um uh, flight school that had been around for a long time and that we had partnered with as part of our pilot development program. They had some capacity because of a, a large customer that they were no longer working with. Uh, so we were able to just, it just fit perfectly. And this was back in March for us to step in, partner with them, create the Ascend Pilot Academy, where it's uh, something that we are out advertising 
to uh, potential students. They come into a Ascend, they start off with, uh, with no time, no ratings. They get all their certificates there at the Ascend Academy. Um, and then when they get up through their instrument rating and they're ready to start their commercial rating, we actually pay in a significant stipend. We essentially fund their commercial certificate to the tune of $26,000. We're also providing uh, uh, financial aid through a couple of different financial institutions so that even if somebody's coming from, you know, uh, whatever, uh, a background or circumstances where they just can't afford flight training, now they can. So we're hoping to uh, be a whole lot more inclusive in terms of the number uh, of folks that are coming into the business as pilots. Um, so they can cover it with with financial aid. We provide a stipend for their commercial certificate. Again, they, they make that commitment to fly for us for at least two years after they join Horizon Air. Uh, and it really creates a nice uh, uh, flow all the way through from somebody that's never flown because then not only do we get them at Horizon as a pilot, but because of our very strong Pathways program with Alaska Airlines, if somebody wants to fly for a major airline, they can go all the way through from never having flown to being a, an airline pilot at Alaska Airlines. And it's a nice inclusive program the entire way. One other benefit of this is that our uh, pilot training experts at Horizon are able to work directly with the training staff at Hills to really inject from the earliest days of, a, of their pilot training uh, key components of how we train pilots at Horizon. Things around crew resource management, safety practices, and so forth, so that they're not only learning that stuff, good practices, at a very early stage in their pilot training, but then when they start with Horizon, they've already been exposed to all that, and they're that much further ahead when they go through our own pilot training program. So how much of your pilot recruiting can come through that program percentage-wise? I mean, how much is that? How much comes from some of these other partnerships or how much are off the street? It's it's now to a point, Brett, where um, almost 100% can come from either our pilot development program schools or from the Ascend Pilot Academy. There is still some advantages to um, keeping some uh, sort of independent uh, hiring going. We have folks that have maybe military background that is just they're just fantastic pilots or we have a base in Anchorage now and and we have some folks that are from the state of Alaska that already have been flying and they would like to come fly with us and they'd like to be based in Anchorage those are great folks to have join us so we'll we'll keep the door open for folks to come from sources other than pilot development or the Ascend Academy but the reality is that um, we have had such a fantastic level of interest in both those programs, we've had something like 800 applicants already in the last six months for the Ascend Academy. So um, the, the reality is over the next few years, if we needed to, we could fund 100% of our hiring at Horizon just from the Ascend Academy. But we we have sort of that, um, whatever, hedged portfolio to be able to bring in folks from our pilot development program schools as well. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. I mean, it seems like the bush would be a good place for you guys to be able to find pilots if if they're going to fly commercial at all it seems likely they'd want to be with Alaska or Horizon or someone close to home at least is there opportunity there or do they just not tend to want that as much i mean you mentioned anchorage a little bit but um, you know uh the uh, up in the state of Alaska there's there's a lot of pilots as you know you've spent time up there um the, there are folks that that fly up you know part 135 up in the state of Alaska and that is what they want to do uh, that that they're either second career or even if it's if it's a first career, that's they just choose to be a, a part 135 pilot in Alaska. Um, and then you have other folks that fly part 135 up there, maybe a little um, more junior in their piloting career, and they're using it 
because it's an incredible experience, but they're all u- also using it as a stepping stone to to come fly for a regional airline and perhaps ultimately a major airline. And and we have hired a number of pilots that have flown for, uh, you know, Grant and Raven and uh, Bering Air, people like that. We we've flown and uh, hired a number of those pilots to come to Horizon. Okay, so when you talk about the Ascend Academy here. How did you decide on that model as opposed to maybe the more European model of just, you know, come in and we pay for everything and then you work for us forever, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. How did you settle on that as the right model here to get pilots in? Um, we looked at a bunch of different models, honestly, and and uh, we're excited about this one. It's not to say we might not make some adjustments as we go. We'll probably learn some things over the first couple of years of, of running the Ascend Academy. Um, but I think this one sort of lent itself. I mean, the, the, first of all, the level of demand, um, we, we do want to make it affordable for people, but funding 100% of somebody's pilot training, that can be a challenge as well. We sort of like the model where they, they come in and they get at least a couple of ratings that shows they have some proficiency for flying, but importantly, it also shows they have some interest and if not some outright passion for flying you you can't really get through your privates and your instrument rating unless you're pretty into it Um, so by the time we start to cover the the cost of their commercial ticket we know they're pretty committed not just to horizon and alaska but they're pretty committed to being a pilot at that point and so there's some advantages i think in terms of the the quality and the uh just the passion and intensity that you get out of a person at that stage okay Fair enough. So when are you able to be fully restored uh, in your network? Uh, you know, when, when do you think you have the, the pilots replaced that you lost and then a steady pipeline that'll continue to replace the, the people who move up? Well, that's, that's a, I give, I'm giving you these big meaty answers. Now you just asked a big meaty question there. I mean, uh, <laughs> the, the, the challenge with answering it is I think we, you know, for regional airlines, we are highly, highly subject to whatever the major airlines do from a, a, a major airline hiring standpoint. Um, you know, the major airlines are getting 80% of their pilots right now from regional airlines. So if their significant hiring spree continues at the current pace, um, there's obviously going to be a lot of attrition continue at, at the regional airlines for the next several years. If there is a recession or some other external shock that causes a slowdown in in major uh, airline hiring, obviously we'll be- we'll benefit from that in terms of pilot attrition at the regionals. Um, there are a number of you know experts, consulting firms, and Wall Street analysts and other smart folks that are out there doing a lot of modeling around this pilot shortage and the the pilot staffing imbalance that exists between major airlines and regional airlines and a lot of those models don't have the situation even reaching its peak because of age 65 reti- retirements and so forth it doesn't really reach its peak until in, in some models show 2027 so that's five more years before we would get to a point where things would potentially slow down a little bit so i, I like what we want to do at horizon is get ourselves to a more stable place. 
Um, we know we're going to continue to have pilot attrition. We've taken some steps to slow that attrition with the new deal that we recently reached with our pilot union at Horizon. And we believe it's an industry leading deal. And a lot of folks are going to choose to stay at Horizon either for a career or at least stay a, a bit longer uh, here at Horizon. And that's exactly what we're hoping for. And in the course of doing that, our goal is to get to a spot where we can operate the aircraft that we have coming because we have a bunch of new E-175s. We have 30 E1, excuse me, 20. We have 30 now. We have 20 E-175s coming to Horizon over the next five years. And so what we want is uh, actually over the next four years, because we'll be at 50 airplanes at the end of 2026. And so we want to um, be sure that we can fly all 50 of those airplanes as they come at something as close to normal utilization as possible. And that's the way we can best benefit Alaska Air Group. We can benefit our pilots and other employees at Horizon just by getting to a stable place where we can fly that that full fleet of up to 50 airplanes. All right. So that's you at least have this set goal of saying, you know, by the time the airplanes get here, we want to be able to fully fly them right. and use them well. So that that's sort of a different position than uh, maybe some other regionals are in, which is, is probably a nice place for you to be. Uh, but you did mention the new uh, pilot contract. It is uh, quite quite the contract. It's, it's quite a rich contract for uh, well, not even just for regional pilots. It's it's, it's quite an attractive contract, I suppose. Um how does that come together at Horizon when, you know, Alaska is the one that's making the network decisions to fly these airplanes? The cost inputs change significantly with something like this. Has a bigger input or has a bigger impact when you have smaller airplanes, when, when you think about a seat cost. You have fewer seats to spread the, the crew costs around on. So, um, you know, how, how does that all come together as, as being, you know, the finished product that this is the contract that's out there? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. Uh, when the American wholly owned regionals uh, did the deal with their pilots uh, back in early June, you wrote a, a really good blog at the time about those deals. And a, a point that you sort of uh, put out there was that this really, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but it, it, it had the potential of sort of changing the underlying business model of, of the regional industry. And, and that, I, I think, I agreed with you then, and and I think as we've seen things play out over the last four or five months, I think that is what we're seeing. Um, you know, one thing about regional airlines that they have a maximum of seventy six seats in this country, and that's not going to change. And uh, and so seventy six seats that's that defines how much revenue producing capability an airplane has. And uh, you want to be able to fly it with good utilization levels, of course, but there is a there is essentially a ceiling on how much revenue you can generate from that airplane. And um, and there's not a similar ceiling on the costs. And, and so these pilot agreements have driven regional airline costs up substantially. Um, and I think there's plenty of good arguments that, that there needed to be some further uh, increases in pilot compensation, especially at the regional airline level. And I'll just say this, I'm really happy for Horizon Pilots. I, I think this is a good deal. I believe it is industry leading. Um, it, it, it was uh, ratified overwhelmingly by our pilots. And so I think that's really good. And I think it is going to have some positive uh, impact on pilot attrition at Horizon. But it also does mean that we're going to have to go out and take a fresh look at the commercial side of running regional airlines, of the, the revenue model for 
for uh, regional airlines. And so for Alaska Air Group, uh, that means the network planning team, the revenue management team, the marketing team, the community relations team, and then the horizon team. We're going to have to work really closely together over the next several months and probably over the next few years uh, to ensure that we're doing everything we can to create a revenue environment that um, at least allows us to make sense out of what is going to be more significant costs for sure. So long and fancy way of saying we got work to do. We got work to do on the business model for regional airlines. Okay, so I guess it's a it's a to be determined. There's more to come, but at least you're getting to a place where you'll expect to be able to fly 50 airplanes reliably, have a constant pilot pipeline, uh, kind of in a in a calmer place there. Now it's just a question of what routes can you actually fly, and I guess that's not a question I can ask you. That's a question I got to go talk to uh, the network team. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, it's it's fun. I think you can expect uh, for Horizon, we're going to maintain our concentration on the Pacific Northwest and the state of Alaska. Uh, our big four, Seattle, Portland, Spokane, and Boise, are going to continue to be our big four. Um, we're going to have uh, this really neat presence that we have at uh, Everett Washington's pain field just north of Seattle. Uh, we're going to continue to support and complement the flying that Alaska is doing on some of the smaller, thinner routes up in the state of Alaska. Um, and so that's that's what we're going to do. Uh, so I think even as the Q400 goes away and people have said, what about uh, the markets that, that have been Q400 only? Uh, even this week, in fact, just yesterday, we, we've added E-175 service into what had historically been uh, Q400 only cities. And um, those are going to be a little shorter routes for the jet, but they're important to Alaska's network uh, to provide feed traffic into Seattle and Portland for the main flying, mainline flying that happens from those markets. So um, we'll have a mix and of some of that shorter stuff. And then importantly, the airplane is just fantastic for Alaska to help develop some of the midcon markets out of Seattle and Portland. Um, the a, a market like Boise, um, we're, we're flying, Horizon is flying Boise to Chicago O'Hare as a way to help develop the Boise market on one end for for Alaska, but to help tap into the one world hub that American has at, at O'Hare. So there's that kind of developmental flying that we'll also continue to do with the E-175. And I think it's going to be a really nice mix of flying for Horizon. All right, Joe, that seems like a good optimistic place to end. So <laughs> thank you for taking the time to talk. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. Great to visit with you. I mean, there is probably no job harder than running a regional airline right now. I want to thank Joe for taking the time to talk about how that's all been going. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, Ontario International Airport. Whether it's easy parking, quick movement through their terminals, or access to great amenities, ONT makes SoCal feel so easy. Visit flyonto.com for more information. Again, that's flyonto.com for more information. And that's all for now. Until next time.